0: And ride with me
1: in my foul life. What's up, podcast audience? The Foul Life Podcast back at you. Hope you all have been enjoying the episodes lately. A lot of cool guests, a lot of cool topics. Such badass areas that we've been privileged and honored to visit since September of 2021. What an incredible fall and winter, and now we're into spring. Just got done with snow geese in Nebraska and Iowa. Looking forward to some turkeys in a couple different states, including Alabama, and Tennessee, and Texas, and Idaho, and Nevada, and California. We're gonna have our crews out chasing those thunder chickens as my good buddy Michael Waddell would call them. We're excited. Our new turkey calls at jargongamecalls.com are incredible. We got three new diaphragm calls. The cuts are amazing. They were done by a Hall of Famer that we have collaborated with. And be on the lookout for our new pot calls and our new box calls hitting the website and the market at retail soon. Thank you all so much for the support of Jargon Game Calls. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Rigid Industries. Own the night. See the light. I always tell people you can't do stuff in the dark, man. I mean, I guess there's some things you can do in the dark. Don't get any weird ideas when I said that, okay? Please. I'm talking about work. When you get out to set up a blind, when you want to set your decoy spread, whether you're on water, whether you're on dry field, whether you're on a river, it's always better to have the right LED lights, whether they're on your UTV, your ATV, the side of your trailer, your pickup truck, your bumper sets, your headlamps, your boats, whatever it's on. Rigid makes the best LED light bars, fog lights, bumper lights, rear bumper lights, anything that you can imagine to see better and make our jobs easier. Rigid is there for us. So thank you, Rigid, so much. And today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Thoroughgood USA. I don't like cold feet. We work hard. We need our boots to breathe. We need our feet to stay warm for extended period of time. That's why we depend on the American made Thoroughgood. Wisconsin, United States of America, thank you to Andy and Jason and Bianca and the entire crew at Thoroughgood USA for believing in the culture of the American hunter and the quality i'm telling you the 12 the 1600 the 800s the rubber boots the neoprene boots the leather work boots you the slide ons the, the pull ons they have so many different designs we've been to the factory we watched them make pairs of boots right in front of our eyes and they are so legit so support thorough good boots made right here in the united states of america and thank them when you see them today's guest is a pretty badass chick i met her a couple months ago in the great state of wyoming that's Chris LaDue country, in case y'all are wondering. I've been listening to a lot of Chris LaDue. In case you guys need a good soundtrack to life, go listen to County Fair, Cowboy Hat, The Great Divide. Go listen to Copenhagen Angel, Copenhagen, Cadillac Ranch, uh, uh, not What's the waiting on an eight-second ride, I believe that one's called. It gets me so fired up. But Chris Ledoux, God rest his soul, rest in peace, Mr. Chris Ledoux. His son, Ned, has a heck of a recording career going on right now. Ned, what's going on, my brother? But Chris Ledoux country, I love being in Wyoming. I love Cheyenne Frontier Days. The Antelope are amazing along the I-80 corridor. I've been all over the state, you know, just chasing Game, whether it was predators or mountain lions, bobcats, coyotes, mule deer, antelope, elk, Wyoming offers it all. It's God's country. I know that people refer to Montana as that, but Wyoming is truly God's country in a lot of ways. But the waterfowl hunting is on a different level, too. And that's what we got to experience with Wyo, Nebraska. J.J. Randolph, his stepfather, Mike, Mr. Mike, the entire crew, the family, they rolled out the red carpet. They treated us like they, we were part of their clan for years. And it was the first couple days we met them. We were cooking. We were talking. We were telling stories. We were laughing. I'm talking belly laughing in the pits. J.J. runs a heck of an operation up there. And then he t- says, hey, let's go get our birds picked. So we roll through town, we're in Torrington, we're rolling through the town in our trailers, we got all these dead birds, of course we're keeping them separated for your possession limit to get them to where they need to be with a wing on, we're transporting them successfully and legally to get them to what they call foul habits. And then we meet my guest today, Miss Natalie Fox, and the first thing I was wondering is like, this girl is petite she's pretty she sounds educated and i find out that she literally left a career to pick ducks and geese is that kind of it in a nutshell welcome to the show miss natalie fox foul (laughs) habits llc
0: thank you so much for having me um yeah pretty much um i did not see myself going and doing this for the rest of my life at all but (laughs) it's been great um I got my degree in zoology uh, from the University of Wyoming, uh, focused on mammals and um, wildlife management. I wanted to be a game warden. And then when I came back here with uh, my husband, I went to work for the post office for a little bit to pay the bills, great benefits. But I wanted to spend time with him and travel and go all over the place. And it just worked out perfect.
1: <laughs> did you, did you, uh, Like have in the initial stages of the business, obviously businesses build and they got to gain momentum and everything starts off slow. And obviously you have a great pipeline of business with JJ and Yobraska. But were there any regrets at the beginning of it? I know that you're getting to spend time in the great outdoors. You're with your husband all the time, which... Let's just be honest. That could cause some issues. If it's not the best, the perfect marriage and you're with them 24 (laughs) hours a day, you might be like, Hey, y'all need to take a break. I need a vacation that happens once in a while with husband, (laughs) wife businesses. But was there anything like, man, I'm, I'm going to go back and, and start working with lions and tigers with my zoology degree.
0: You know, no, um, honestly, the best way I can put it is I I absolutely love David and I have never met somebody that I can just spend literally 24 seven with. And yes, we have our bickering, but I wanted to be with him and he just told me, "Is he like, Hey, this is my schedule. I know you like the outdoors. We have to make it work. So if you want to do this, let's, let's make it happen. And so about five years ago, I got my feet kind of wet with the bird cleaning. He showed me what to do, how to do it. And then, the progressive stages, it just went from, you know, cleaning the occasional bird under an outfitter. Um, that way it was all legal to, okay, let's open it up. Let's see if we can expand a little bit. And it honestly just blew up. I didn't expect it at all. So we were a little bit nervous and it was a leap of faith for sure, but it ended up just, God blessed it for sure.
1: Before we get into JJ and Wild Nebraska and your husband's you know he's had a history with these guys he's worked with these guys as a guide and other things i want to learn more about that because your husband's a badass i kept looking at him (laughs) like i don't think i would want to get in a barroom scuffle with this dude he looks like a wrestler i didn't even notice if he had cauliflower ears but he looks like he could throw some dudes out of a window in the movie roadhouse part two if he starred in it where where in zoology when you're studying. Mm-hmm. is do you go into different programs and i'm not trying to sound ignorant i'm really trying to educate myself here is there yeah. is there anatomy involved do you do like animal cadavers and you actually see the biological makeup the nerve the nervous system of a bird or a, a mammal you start to really study like the intricacies of how their bodies and their skeletals and everything comes together do you actually cut them open and see like you would in a regular medical school to where you understand the ins and outs of the anatomy fully of of an animal not it doesn't specifically have to be a wild goose or a mallard duck, but mm-hmm. is it, do you, do you study that in the zoology program?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, there's definitely some anatomy classes. Um, and in a lot of the just a uh, general, like animal science biology courses, um, they definitely have, you know, at least if it's not replicas, they bring in like the smaller, like reptiles and the smaller mammals for us to kind of explore and, you know, cut open and see what what's all going on in there. But, um, yeah. It's, it's really great. Um, the Wyoming university of Wyoming has a great, great zoology program. And honestly, there's not very many around this, uh, around the country. So it was like one of five that I found and lo and behold, it's in the home state of Wyoming. <laughs>
1: how, how old were you or what state and, uh, you know, what period in your life, Natalie, did you become accustomed to? Did you grow up in a hunting family? Did did cutting an animal ever? Because there are people that won't look at it. There are people that, and I've been this way before in the past. Like my mom's a nurse practitioner. I mm-hmm. have several buddies that went to med school and got their doctorate and are now MDs. Um, I don't even like to see people get a bloody nose. Even when I'm like at a UFC event, I'm like, oh God, like I couldn't even be a trainer and wipe that blood away. But then I had a daughter and if she would get some blood on her, it became no problem. But I still don't think... I could be an EMT. I don't think I could be an emergency room nurse, um, no way. <laughs> but cutting animals open has never bugged me from my early years of seeing my dad, you know, field dress a mule deer and cut mm-hmm. the belly open and make sure that you take care of all of the different parts before you butcher it. Did it ever bother you or did it, was it, did it come at an early age to where you became accustomed to that?
0: You know, um, Like my family hunted. I didn't really get into it until about my freshman year of high school. And then I kind of would go out with the family and I just kind of watch, you know, I never really did it by myself because honestly, (laughs) we took my horse into a vet at one point and she had this big old gash down um, her back hip and I looked at it. I saw what they were doing to it, and I literally passed out over my horse that was sedated. And so we were both just laying there in the back of the bed off. It just passed out. <laughs> and, um, it, it was it was really bad. But like you said, human blood, I can't do it. My husband ripped off his fingernail one time off of the trailer hitch, and we went to the emergency room, and <laughs> I looked at it. And I said, I'm going to pass out. I have to get out of here. And so while I was walking out the door, everything went black and I was literally crawling down the hall of the emergency room trying to find a chair to sit down on. (laughs) And, um, but as far as cleaning geese or even, you know, cutting up a deer or something, for some reason it just doesn't bother me. In fact, like separating the skin from the muscle is super satisfying to me.
1: why What? why would you use the word super satisfying because do you have a vision in your head of what tasty creations you're going to get to make for lack of better terms is it because of the end product that you know these animals will produce for your family
0: absolutely um when i'm skinning a deer or when i you know peel back a goose and it just comes out perfectly i'm just like Man, this is going to be great. Like I cannot wait to eat this. It's going to taste wonderful because we prepped it the way that we did and it's just the end product of it. If I know that I put all of my time, all my effort into making it the best that it can be, I'm happy with it. Like to me it just is it's the most satisfying thing to know that you did your best to prep that animal.
1: Now, your company and business is called Foul Habits. I like the hat you're wearing. That's a hint in case you need to know what a hint is, Natalie. Okay. <laughs> I've also been eyeballing the, the hoodies. But did, Do you guys offer services for, for big game also?
0: So this next year, um, we are actually looking at a property right now to hopefully expand. That way we can start accepting big game. Um, But right now we're not necessarily doing that. We'll cut it up for family and everything and help them with it. Um, And other than that, you know, not really looking for it. But if we do get this new property, um, it's going to have a complete processing shed with it. So then we can start taking in some local game and everything and hopefully open up to, you know, the big game, the bird cleaning and everything just all in one.
1: That's going to be kind of slick. I look forward to <laughs> visiting the new property. I've been in touch with uh, Mr. Mike in the last week or so talking about our dates for this year. And then he invited us back in 2000. 2000- 24 already January I mean can you imagine we must uh, he must like us I'm like wow you're really reaching out there for future dates so that means that you and I and we're gonna get to hang out some more with your husband and and, and see the operation at foul habits grow you, you a little I want to go back a couple seconds ago you were talking about you know when you're processing a deer duck goose whatever it is I always talk about the art of visualization like the night before mm-hmm. the hunt I really start thinking about all right the weather's going to do this because we know the forecast, even though meteorologists are wrong a lot. Um, <laughs> but I start visualizing the roost and the approach and the wind and the temperature and the blind and the hide and the dog and the whatever the decoy spread and the ripples on the water or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Flagging. I mean, I could go through the sights and sounds of a hunt in my head the night before, like a kid on Christmas. And I do it every hunt. I love that part of it. But then during the hunt, I always talk about here comes Axel with a duck or Duff's bringing a goose back or whatever. And I'm like, now I start to visualize what you're talking about. I can't <laughs> wait. A lot of people dread. That part, I mean, there's a lot of outfitters that offer bird processing, and the main reason why is because a lot of hunters have this like ideology or thought process, like I don't want anything to do with them once they touch the ground. And I believe that people like you and your husband, and, and through our efforts, that we could really show people on this other end of the spectrum that the trigger pull is cool, the mm-hmm. decoys are pretty, the calling sounds neat, the dog training is unbelievable. Don't get me wrong; I'm I, I don't make excuses for killing animals, but The cooking and the culinary, the organic lifestyle, living off of the land, understanding how to honor that bird and have compassion for that deer and understand the bounty that it's going to provide on the table for friends and family. Or you might donate some of the meat to a a, a feed the hungry or a homeless shelter. We've done it all. So Mm -hmm. I start to visualize like, man, how cool is it that this duck was up in northern Canada, up, up where the breeding grounds are. Living his best life, that deer is in the mountains of Wyoming or Montana. That bear, that elk, are living their best life, and then they're ethically taken, harvested by a hunter that has honed his or her skill set, you know, to to be able to get in close and seal the deal. And now we all become butchers, we all become <laughs> processors, and that's the coolest thing. Like I grew up, I told you this when I was at your house, how envious I was of my godfather, Lauren Bigley, because he's a butcher, and I was like, I want to mm-hmm. work, an, I want to be able to work knives like that someday. So you and I had some little races and competitions being safe with the knives. but I think being like what you can do with a knife and how, how skilled you are to get all of that meat in the tenderloin and everything off the bone skin on whatever the client, whatever the customer wants. I start to visualize that. I think that's mm-hmm. the coolest part. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. For sure. And you know, you have to treat each animal differently and it's always a challenge. You know, if you get a bird that's pretty shot up in one breast it's like okay how am I gonna save as much part of this breast that I can or you know even if you if you shoot a a deer you know and it yeah go right through the shoulder and there's you know fragments of bone everywhere it's like okay how am I going to you know save and and utilize as much as this of this animal as I possibly can and so it's just it's totally different you have to visualize it out front and you get pretty creative to be honest
1: (laughs) It'd be nice if they were all headshot, right? It'd be so okay. nice if none of the breasts, because it's, it's such good meat. It's such it good is. meat. Like we're going to get into what you, what you specialize in for your, what you offer your customers. And I'm getting ready to receive some, I think, yes. I think that's another hint, I believe. <laughs> um, before we get into something that I'm very interested in, which is the le- legalities of mm-hmm. what you do yes, and how. I want to say this right there's a lot of laws in waterfowl hunting federal state level laws not just hunting them not just what gun you can use or what shot has to be used or what what the material in your BB needs to be now you can get into everything there's so many laws and that's why duck and goose hunting is so intimidating. Then on top of that, you have all the laws that come after the kill, right? There's Mm -hmm. a lot that has to be done to transport them. And we mentioned a little bit of that a couple minutes ago. But before I get into that part of it that I'm very interested in, because you have to be on your A game every day. You have to have good credibility and a good reputation. You have to have a good open communication line with the game wardens and the authorities. So everything's done on the up and up, period. Okay. Um, we're talking about migratory waterfowl that there are daily in possession limits on this. But let's talk about the history and how it goes down with JJ because that this kind of seems like the and I called it a pipeline before, but this is like a uh a, a, I would say a one October, November, December, January, February. This could be like a, a five to six months somewhere in there revenue stream just through one guy. Mm-hmm. Just in the processing part, the butchering and processing, not to mention the months after of the smoking and, and the and the food that you're prepping and, and sending out all over the country. So yes. this is a this is a pretty good pipeline that you have. How does it happen? What is the history with your husband and JJ? Because JJ's one of those guys you fall in love with. Like he's honest, he's transparent, he's an ethical guide, he's low stress, he's low maintenance. I mean, the guy was wearing <laughs> I think he was wearing crocs one day in the goose yes. pit. I'm gonna give him some shit about that because I don't think you should wear crocs in a goose pit but jj does like i don't i i describe jj as kind of like a free-spirited reggae listening goose killing machine if i don't do you agree with that
0: <laughs> i 100 <agree>
1: <laughs> he's just all aw- he's like whoa man this is cool man this is gonna be a good day man look at the geese man and i'm in there like freaking beavis and butthead like shaking like oh my god i can't wait to go here they come he's just like chill out bro they're geese but uh <laughs> So how does it go down? Your husband knows him before you do?
0: Yep, yep. Um, So I guess to go back a little bit, um, David put himself through college playing baseball. And then uh, after he uh, got out of college, he went up to Saskatchewan and played for uh, the Regina Red Sox for a little bit and then went out to Chicago and played for um, uh, the Juliet Slammers. Um, for a few years and then blew out his elbow unfortunately but by doing that it opened the door up for him to pursue his second passion and now his only passion really which is um, you know just hunting in general and so he worked for a few different outfitters and he actually started um, guiding snow goose hunts with JJ out in Fairbury Nebraska And when we first got together, I was still in college and I would literally drive like back and forth every weekend out there just to spend time with them. And I would help, you know, pick up the decoys and, you know, like set out the decoys. And JJ was always so nice to me. And um, eventually... You know, he got hired on here and with a different outfitter, unfortunately, but it's all good because we're still all really good friends. And at that point I was only cleaning birds for one outfitter and we both decided that, well, maybe if we reach out to JJ, then, you know, he'll, he'll help us out a little bit and hire us on and we'll offer a really great service to his guys. And the first time we asked him, he was like, well, maybe not this year. Like, let's just kind of see how it goes. And so the following year, I'm like, hey, JJ, we talked about this. How about this year coming up? Can I clean your birds this year? And um, so we sat down, we talked all about it. I showed him some examples, you know, of what his clients would be receiving. And he loved it. And honestly, he is the best person to work with. He's, like you said, he's so laid back <laughs> and he is so funny. His laugh will make anybody laugh, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, but our our friendship and just business relationship has flourished from there and I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes. It's been an absolutely unbelievable opportunity and it's just like all the pieces of the puzzle finally just came together.
1: So, give me an idea of what you presented to him because I'm picturing, you know, looking in your freezers, which again, we're going to get into the legalities (laughs) of this because you have a lot of meat on your property. Yes. (laughs) Um, What did you present to J.J. Randolph at Wyo Outfitters that made him go, man, this is like, you know, it almost almost is like, you know, like a really, I'm going back to my, you know, my, my grandmas and my mom and like a really manicured loaf of banana bread all wrapped in paper (laughs) and it's presented with like love and care to the neighbors during the holidays or whatever you know what i mean it's like when i saw your duck and goose packages i'm like holy jeez like that is like legitimately (laughs) legitimately packaged with like a lot of love and tenderness because you care about it right you're putting out your name on that product and but in the long run what it's really doing is when it's taken out of that freezer. Mm -hmm. and shrink wrap that way and vacuum sealed and it looks that pretty you can't help but go i can't wait to cook that i don't want to take out i don't want to take out the old school butcher paper with blood stains running through it because you let it thaw too much and refroze it or it got dirty or it got freezer burnt nobody wants to cook that this is Mm -hmm. a huge this is a huge part of living off the land and being a a provider and being (coughs) having the audacity i guess is a bad t- term to say but you have to have a lot of guts to go into this business this is this shit could get old in a hurry doing what you do every day okay so <laughs> yeah. to to make sure that every package looks as pretty and well defined as you make it jj had to see that from the beginning
0: yeah so my goal <laughs> honestly is i hate to see people waste what they have harvested and just waste meat or, you know, anything really in general. And so, um, I actually worked, um, and still work for a company called a J seafood up in Alaska. And they kind of got me started on the whole vacuum sealing process and, uh, really taught me a lot up there. Cause we were, um, taking in sport fish and processing it that way we were vacuum packing and freezing it shipping it out and I just remember my boss Chrissy saying you know take your time make it look pretty and I feel like if it looks pretty in the package then people are gonna be like man this goose really doesn't look that bad I don't know why people don't want to eat it you know and so it's really just about getting those people to think twice about just letting it sit there and you know rot in the bottom of their freezer and then just throwing it away and the way that we do it those birds can last up to three to four years in your freezer and still be fine in pulling them out and cooking them yep. so it's really just about the preservation and and hopefully people will enjoy them <laughs> is what my goal is
1: oh 100 and i think that You know, hopefully guys and girls listening to this podcast will literally get up and walk outside into their garage, freezer, go into their kitchen and open their freezer and get the stuff at the bottom and get it done. Because Mm -hmm. I I am I am a person that is I will not waste anything. We grew up. I'm not saying that we were dirt poor, but we weren't well off. My mom put herself through college and met in in nursing school. My dad was a union plumber. Um, They spent every bit of their energy and money On us, three boys, whether it was sports (laughs) or hunting or fishing or traveling or baseball games in the Bay Area, whatever it was, they made sure that we were taken care of. Mm -hmm. But it also taught me in my my mom and dad at a young age that we didn't get up from the dinner table till we cleared our plate. That didn't mean that we had (laughs) that we got food shoved down our throat. We had rules. You taste it and if you don't like it, you're probably going to have to taste it again because this is good food and you're going to acquire a taste for it. Because a lot of people today are like, oh, well, he just doesn't like hot dogs or he doesn't like sausage. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's impossible. Stop it. That's not that's not possible. (laughs) All right. You're not going to tell me that your kid does not like this duck meat right here. This this is good. Mm -hmm. This is good meat. So, you know, I have this rule in my house that we don't waste anything. Leftovers aren't bad. I mean, and people are like, why are you saving that bread? And I'm like, I don't know, because we're gonna make homemade croutons with it. I'm not mm-hmm. going I'm not going to let that bread go to waste just because we can. I'm not gonna do it. Um last night we did a we did a video on on this on this provider cookbook thing with Caribbean shrimp, and we had some uh jalapenos were an option in it, right? They were optional. And I kept we chopped up these jalapenos and they're sitting by the sink and I'm like We're not throwing those away. Those are going to go into an omelet. Those are going to go Mm -hmm. into a stew. They're going to go into something, right? So my mindset with wild game is get to your freezer. And if there's something on the bottom that is older than the stuff that you killed this year, go put it in a sous vide. Go get it in a foil tin and cover it with foil and put it on a Traeger and slow cook it and make Mm -hmm. pulled, pulled goose sandwiches or pulled duck sandwiches. If it's halibut, go get a fish fry going on. Get creative. Be outside of the box because anything that you can make with domestic meat, you can make with a goose, including a hot dog. You can go get casing and all of our partners at meet your maker, which you, 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 you support me too. And they support you. You could do whatever you can do with pork or chicken or lamb or beef or whatever it is. You can do it. So I hope this motivates people. Of like I'm going to cook wild game every day. I'm, we work out every day. We, we watch TV every day. We brush our teeth every day. I hope, I mean. A lot of, a lot of people should, and during duck season, they really should, but (laughs) eat wild game every day, get good at it, become a provider. Like I want you and your company and your brand, which I know that you're going to kick ass with this to, to really motivate people of like, get creative. And we're going to get into how creative you've gotten. But, um, I hope that people listen to this and they really go, I'm going to become better at it. And that's. With that being said, you know, your freezer has wild game in it. There's legalities of what you can keep in your freezer and how it can be processed and does what you have in there count against your your possession limit. And you got to go and educate yourself on this. I don't want to sit here and be you and I go over the rule book because every state's different. Then you got Mm -hmm. federal laws on top of that. You have to go and talk to game wardens. And I know that you have you sit down with them. So. Talk to me a little bit about the precautionary measurements that need to be taken because you are bringing in migratory waterfowl by the, by the butt loads, like literally bus loads. Well, I mean, we're willing them in, in wheelbarrows into your, into your garage. Um, by the way, some of the photos we got in the video are so cool. And I think that you're going to be really happy with it. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, about how you could be naive to it and just be like, or ignorant to it is a better word and be like, I don't know. I didn't know. You have to know. Talk to me a little bit about how suited you were, how much you had to educate yourself and how important transparency and communication and, and being a sponge and learning and abiding by the rules is when you're handling this much federal water, you know, waterfowl. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so before we started it, Uh, I told David that, you know, we're not just going to do this and, you know, kind of be mediocre at it, I guess would be the word I would use. And, you know, it's a big deal. You can get fined a huge amount for it if you're doing something wrong. And once you're on that that game warden's list, like that's somewhere you don't really want to be. So... I started out with um, kind of doing my own research. I pulled up a lot of U.S. Fish and Wildlife documents and just reading through them, it, it took me forever to get through all of the reading as far as all the legalities. And there's a lot of words I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, while, I, while I was delivering mail, um, I actually delivered mail to the local game ward's house and became very good friends with his new little puppy named Lester. <laughs> and, um, you know, I asked him and he had some knowledge on it, um, but we both actually knew the old game warden that uh, used to be here, and he used to go over to the processor's place at that point in time, which was many years ago. And so he knew a ton about, you know, the legalities as far as bird processing. So I called him up one day and said, you know, I'm reading this. Will you help me interpret it? And so. He told me, like, here's the major points that you have to have and that you have to know. So every bird has to be tagged before it enters your facility. They can bring it to you and tag it there, but they cannot just drop off and leave. Um, The documentations I have to have, you know, I have to have the name, address, um, phone number. I have to have signatures. I have to keep track of how many birds come in, and if it's ducks, you know, I have to keep track if it's a hen mallard or drake mallard for records, you know, just because you can only have two per person for hens, and um, every bird, you know, it doesn't have to be individually tagged necessarily, as long as it's in a group, because when we package them, whatever is on that tag that they fill out, that's what's going to go into that vacuum bag. And so if people want, you know, one bird per bag, I'm like, all right, you got to fill out five tags for me though. Um, and then I have to keep all of my records for at least a year out. I mean, if I get checked, if a game warden wants to come in and look at all my records, like he's going to have a stack to go through, but it's all there. It has my disposal date. So when I went and um, took them to the bird pit for disposal, it has what day I received it and what day it was harvested so if somebody shot their birds yesterday but brings them to me today I have to record that and log it so it's it's a ton of paperwork and people don't realize that um, if you're not keeping that paperwork you cannot legally travel with a bird that doesn't have a wing attached like you can get in a lot of trouble with that you have to be able to tell species and so, for us to both have, you know, my paperwork on this side, and then you traveling with your vacuum-packed birds with the tag, it it shows the evidence of the species that way. So nobody gets in trouble. Um, that's how you legally can run the migratory bird preservation facility at that point.
1: Which you know, cleaning a bird with a wing on is a lot more <laughs> a lot more time consuming, and it's in a way more difficult, especially for first timers. Or mm-hmm. beginners than just breasting a bird out. Even bre- even breasting a bird out with the skin on and the fat on mm-hmm. is more tedious and time consuming because you got to pluck the feathers off of it and get it all cleaned up around the area that you're going to carve. Um, and I also want listeners to keep in mind that even before you get to Natalie, um, you have to have a transportation tag. If you're you have to be in the vehicle with your birds. You have to be able to claim those birds. If you're in there with two two bag limits of that day's hunt. It better be you and the driver or you, if you're the driver the passenger, are, have your licenses on you and you're able to claim those birds and know which birds in the back of your truck. Keep them separated. Don't just throw them in a pile. If a gayborn stops, you be able to say these four Drake Mallards, this hen mallard, this canvas back, whatever your daily limit is. And out here in the West where we're at, it's seven ducks. But then you have one canvas back, one pintail, two hen mallards, this and that and two redheads. And, you know, but we can kill seven Drake Mallards in the Pacific Flyway. So, keep them separated. Wings are on obviously. And then when you get there, fill out the tag. I like even in the blind to have a duck strap with my tag on it with my name on it. If my dog <laughs> brings that bird back, I put it on my duck strap. Now, Chad Belding has one duck. Clay sitting next to me has two ducks. Natalie has four cuz she's a dead eye. And but you're <laughs> now you're you're only 3 birds away from your limit out west. It might be six ducks in Wyoming. It's five or six. You mm-hmm. have to have your you have to have your limit with you separated in the blind cuz there's no such thing as party hunting. You're going to stand mm-hmm. up and shoot. You're going to stand up and shoot together. You kill five ducks, the dog brings them back. You do not just throw all five ducks in a pile. The game warden walks in and goes, "Well, what's that? Who's five ducks are those?" Mm-hmm. Well, that one's mine. No, that's not working. Keep them separated. Now you got them on your own individual strap with your tag and your name on it. Then at the end you could take your pencil or your pen and say, "Okay, today I got three Drake mallards, two redheads, one hen mallard." Boom, and you got your you got your strap with your name on, already to go to Natalie. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect way to do it. If you think in in the perfect world, take the time to do that. You took the time two hours to set up a decoy spread. You took an hour (laughs) drive. You took twenty minutes at the mini mart to get your breakfast pizza and your coffee. I mean, take the time to do it right. So then when you transport it out of the field you know who's they are you know who's taking them if you go t- they they tell me that if you leave your pile of birds in the field and we get our picture with them right you still have to know which ones are yours in that pile yeah. so if if you leave your birds in that pile and you walk out of that field to get your truck to drive it back in to pick up the spread and the game warden drives in and your buddies are all standing there with this pile of birds and you're not there and the, and the game warden's like well now the game warden probably is going to like be lenient on that and say okay he's coming back but i still need to know who shot what Mm -hmm. so at the end of the hunt when you got your straps there and natalie's got her limit and your husband has his i got mine but jj doesn't have his jj's the only one standing up and shooting we're not all standing up and shooting again we've already got our birds on our straps That's not that hard to understand if you're, if you're three birds away from a six person limit, those three people are shooting because you know who in the blind has their limit because you got your, your tag straps with your birds on. I'm just trying to lay it down of stay out of harm's way, stay out of the law's way of like, don't give them a reason to think. So when they come in there and they check you, like they do you, they know you're doing it right. Pretty soon they're going to be like we're going to go in there just to say hello because they're doing it right they're abiding by the law they're respecting the resource they they understand it they're not ignorant to it and once you get that reputation with the law you know the, the the conservation law enforcement agencies or the DNR or the game warrants or whatever they call it in your state then it becomes easier if you just do it right from the beginning so to keep that in mind when you listen to Natalie and the business that she's growing she has to do this every day you walk into her 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 shop you have to she's going to lay out some tags. Oh, I don't want to get my license out. It's back in my truck and it's buried in my, no, go get your license, have it ready every day when you're in a different state or in your home state, or just memorize your number or take a screenshot of it on your phone. Boom. Bring it up all the information and fill out your tag and sign the tag for Natalie to be legal. I think it's, I think it's awesome that uh, how old are you now You in your mid twenties? I'm 25, mid 20s. What a guess! You look like you're, you look like you're, you look like you're in your young 20s, mid 20s. Like I'm 47, and I wish that I would have been more. You know, I didn't start duck hunting until I was 26, 27. So, like, I'm coming into it like. Man, there's a lot to learn. There's a, it's intimidating as shit. Really, if you think about how intimidating waterfowl hunting is, no wonder there's only two million people that do it. There's 14 million people that chase deer. Duck hunting's hard. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. It's expensive, and it's intimidating. And I mm-hmm. and I and I give you kudos for you know thinking outside the box and not just being like well during duck season i'm going to make a couple extra bucks you know breasting out some mallards for jj no this is a full time this is your business now this is your livelihood it's so neat what a way to make a living what a way to make a living of of skinning ducks and geese i think it's so badass so um but you know what i mean it's it's better to stay legal from the beginning right
0: Absolutely. And um, one really cool thing that we've worked out with, um, you know, say JJ, for example, is that I give him a stack of my tags and once he uses them all, he comes back and gets more. But what he does is when he meets up with his clients, he gives them a stack of tags and says, fill these out tonight, you know, don't put your, you know, species and quantity on there yet. But just have them pre-filled out. Put your license number on there. Put your name, your address, sign them. That way, when you're in the blind, you can just, at the end of the day, just write down, okay, I got four Canada geese. And then you're done. (laughs) You don't have to fill anything else out and you're legal. And when the guides come up, you know, they have to have them zip tied with the tag on, even in transport. That way they're legal because they have, you know, four or five people's birds with them and you know that's ranging anywhere from 16 to 25 geese i mean it just it makes it so much easier and so much simpler if everything is just you know thought out just do it a little bit beforehand just prep a little bit and it's going to make it easier on everybody and everybody's going to be legal at that point so it's a huge huge part of it
1: yeah i i want people to i want men and women boys and girls listening to make sure you become honed in on the legalities, the laws, because this is a great lifestyle, but there's so many laws that are broken every day in the field and we don't want to intentionally go into the field and be an outlaw. That's not what hunting's all about. Mistakes are made, but let's limit those mistakes by learning it and taking it mm-hmm. serious. I mean, you don't get a degree in zoology just by walking on campus and going, I love <laughs> lions and tigers. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a lot of books that have to be read. There's a lot of time and study and essays and theses and all of this stuff that needs to be completed to get that. Is it a bachelor of science to get a, a degree in yeah. zoology to get your BS in zoology? You don't just walk in there and go, Hey, I've been to the zoo. Give me a degree. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't just walk into a blind and go, man, I'm a duck hunter now. No study up, learn how to blow That's- call. Learn how to sound like a duck, learn the cadences, learn a decoy spread, learn what ripples on the water and chocolate milk, I mean, flagging, learn what barometric <laughs> pressure is and wind and chill and all of the stuff that happens in a duck's ears and a goose's ears to make them go, oh my gosh, I got to go feed today. Mm-hmm. Learn what different moon phases do to waterfowl and hunting and wildlife. Like this is a study. This is an education and you jumped right into it and you're learning as you go and we're learning as we go every day. But Don't take it for granted that, you know, everything, because I learned something new about waterfowl every single day. And I just I just sent you a picture. And, um, you know, I talk about our partners because I really feel that. It means a lot to me, Natalie, to have partners that support this culture. You know what I mean? Like I, you're laughing at the picture I sent you because it is an awesome picture. You got to admit, that's like a print ad right there, right? That's like nature's grocery store, right? That's a killer shot. Um, But Kershaw, (laughs) Kershaw Knives is a big partner of ours. And the reason I bring Kershaw up, I'm wearing their shirt right now, Natalie, is that what you do, you have to have a sharp knife. Yes. Okay. We work with knife sharpening companies we work with work sharp we work with a lot of different people that make sure that we have what we need to be successful in the field and after so to be able to depend on companies like we do i don't want people to ever think well you're just paid to do that have you ever thought about that these companies are believing in what we're doing that should mean something to the american hunter Mm-hmm. how traeger supports you that should mean something to you and I know that it does to you and your family and your husband that wow there's they're not looking down at us being like oh uh, you kill animals we're not going to support you yeah we're we'll support you you you're taking the responsibility of taking an animal's life now you're going to take the responsibility to prepare that bounty from butchering and processing to preparation to dry rubs and marinades to ingredients and salts and spices and all that to putting it out on the table with a smile on your face going, watch this. Oh, my God, is this beef? Yeah, Mom, it's beef. No, it's mallard duck. And then she spits it out. And I'm like, what are you doing? You just said it was unbelievable. Like, you can't be that person, right? And I see people doing that all the time. That's that's not fair. You can't play both sides of the – you can't say it's good and then find out it's duck and go, oh, my God, I can't believe you tricked me, right? So I I think that it's great that companies like Kershaw Knives and Meet Your Maker and Traeger – and work sharp and all of the companies that we work with support hunting. Mm-hmm. That, that it's not about raw raw we get to, we get to work with their gear. It's not oh this segment's brought to you by another sponsor. Think bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Think think bigger that you have these companies out there that actually support this unbelievable lifestyle, this culture. That's how I look at it. So when people go you're always talking about your sponsors. No, I'm not. I'm talking about this life and Kershaw and these companies that we work with Support this life. So that's how I would look at it. Now, if you have something that's neat and you can be a quote unquote influencer or have some credibility in the marketplace or have something that these partners want to work with you on, think all the power to you. Have the confidence through watching what we're doing that you might go, I want to go talk to Kershaw because I had this idea for this da 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 boom. And that was your foul habits. And now you're working with different companies. So when I bring up partners and going into this picture I sent you, Kershaw Knives became a part of this day because I was using my Kershaw to, on video, we teamed up together. We've tag teamed ducks and geese from pulling the skin and the feathers away, getting to the breast meat, getting it prepped, getting all of the meat and the tenderloin off of that breastbone, clean cuts. We were, we were seeing how long it takes and with a sharp knife and we were going fast. And I tell people don't go fast until you can go fast. Cause you can Nick yourself. And that Nick with a shot will be a pain in the, you know, what for days to come because they're <laughs> sharp and you've nicked your finger. I'm probably going to guess hundreds of times in the last five years doing this. Um, <laughs> but my point is Nallys, is that it doesn't take that long it doesn't once you learn how to rip that skin and you use the right technique my technique was different than yours mm-hmm. your technique was different than anything i've ever seen i can't <laughs> wait to sh- i can't wait when we put when hey jack when we put up this video is your microphone working when we put up this video or this podcast episode i want to put a video of natalie cleaning birds the way she does because it is the most unorthodox grip and, and back backwards that I've like that I was ever taught I was like what is she doing like she's going to cut herself and then all of a sudden the bird was perfect right so I want to put that video up to show people that there's different ways to do this taking your time is key I go too fast a lot of the times but I've gotten to the point to where I can get ducks clean really good and get all the meat off and then you hear this well why didn't you keep all the skin on why didn't you keep the legs why did ha- Just because I show a little bit doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. we're not keeping the legs. It doesn't mean that we're cleaning every bird this way. Who are you to tell me how I have to eat my ducks and geese? I put up a Mm -hmm. video. We put up a video of cleaning duck and cooking duck. And it was an amazing sesame, Asian sesame dish. Jack, was it amazing? The sesame duck? Amazing. Amazing. Okay. This shit's amazing. (laughs) Instead of comments coming in of like, thank you. Thank you for showing us a different recipe. Thank you for showing us this lifestyle. Thank you for saying that you can make duck taste good and showing us how to, you know what they say? Uh, you got to keep the skin on. Uh, you got to pluck the whole duck. Uh, you gotta, and I'm like, why? I, we, we kill a lot of ducks and geese throughout the year and we eat every one of them. Why mm-hmm. are you telling me how to do it just based on this video you saw? Do you, do you, if you're killing a thousand birds a year at your duck club, Legally, and you breast every one of them, good for you if it's legal. Mm-hmm. If you pluck every one of them because that's what your dad taught you and your grandma or whoever, good for you. That's you. But if we're doing it legal, why do you, does everybody think they have a platform now? You know why? Because social media has ruined the fabric of our society <laughs> and the culture, right? It's destroyed who yes. we are because everybody <laughs> is a critic now. Everybody's a know it all. Everybody's got credibility in the marketplace. Just do you. OK, mm-hmm. so my point in that is that you don't keep the skin on every bird you clean. You give your clients a choice. Mm-hmm. It's it's legal. You It's not wanting waste. I don't have to legally take the legs off of every mouth. There's not very much meat. I love taking the the legs off of a Canada goose and a speckled mm-hmm. belly goose and putting them in a gumbo and a roux. I've been taught that by my Cajun friends. My buddy, Lindley Holloman, down in the Cajun country, of Louisiana, taught me the best recipe in the world for duck, duck legs and huh. goose legs. It's an amazing way to cook them. But talk to me a little bit about what you see as far as all the different styles. Like, what what do most people want? What are you most comfortable doing? Because it all takes time, but there are uh, there are parts of this that take more time than just breasting a duck out. What what do you see the most that people that they request from you?
0: You know, as far as let's say let's start out with like geese. Um, most people just want the breasts. I mean honestly with geese people or for some reason they're super turned off by it they're like let's just get the breasts that's all I want I don't want them fully plucked I don't want the skin on and honestly I think it's just a lack of education as to what they want to do with it or maybe they just have really good recipes as far as like I hear a lot of people say they make you know goose chili or like goose gumbo or something like that with it um, but when it comes to ducks, <laughs> that's where it gets really intense. Um, I have, I have plucked more ducks than I care to admit. And I have, um, left the skin on, on plenty of them as well. But, um, honestly, it's either one extreme or the other, either people want their ducks just breasted out or they want the whole bird. Um, and you know, when people ask me what the best way to eat them is, <laughs> the best thing i can tell them is well how do you like to eat your you know your potatoes do you like to eat them as mashed potatoes baked potatoes do you like to eat them you know chopped up with some onion and green pepper i'm like you it's totally your preference i can't tell you what you're gonna like and how to prepare it because it's your taste you got to experiment it with it, too. So why don't we just do one of each? You know, if you have three ducks, let's do a breast. Let's do breast with skin on. Then I'll give you the whole duck. And, you know, I see, honestly, I see more breasting than I do any other thing, but it makes me pretty happy when people want the whole bird just because I know it's it's going to get utilized. When people want that, I know that they're going to throw it on their Traeger and they're going to, you know, just just eat the whole bird with their family because people love it but it's it is just a pool full of everything i've had people ask me oh sorry for the livers and the hearts. oh i love the
1: i was just gonna say that i mean i and they can be good i've again again in louisiana when you start talking like they eat coot liver (laughs) and it's good i can't think of the name of it right now hey can you google uh coot liver what they eat in louisiana for me it's good um i don't I don't want to stop you there, but I want you to talk about this real quick. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of Canada goose skin and fat. I'm not a fan of it. I've, I've, I've tried it so many times I've rendered it and cooked with it. I don't like it like that. I don't Mm -hmm. like it. Crispy skin, but you take a speckle belly, you take a canvas back or a teal or a sprig. And my favorite, the mallard duck, corn fed mallard duck that is eating corn and coming to a river or something up where you live or in all the different corn belts of America, which they're everywhere now. Um, (laughs) I love skin on crispy skin slices, eating the skin with it, eating, but when it's cooking with that skin on, I don't throw that fat away. I'll take it and I'll put it in. Like I love to eat Vietnamese food. I love, you know, the, the soup with the, with, I love beef tendon. I love beef tongue. I love, I love rare steak. I love a ton of stuff. I love tofu, but I take those containers that it comes in when you get it to go and I save them. And then I take my Sharpie and I write speckle belly fat and I'll take that fat after it cools down and I'll put it into that container and I'll freeze it. And then when I won't go cook those potatoes, you're talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> when I fry up a tortilla for a taco, duck fat, spec fat, I do it with mallards. Now, do I do every one of them? No, because when I'm in duck camp and we kill 35 mallards that day and I'm, and I'm like, vi- vi- again, visualizing what I'm gonna do that night. No, tonight I'm going to do this tonight. I'm going to make my sesame duck and people are going to put it over a bed of brown rice or white rice. And they're going to be like, there is no freaking way that's dug. And I have the confidence to do that. Make Nerf footballs. We use chef string. We stuff them with vegetables. We take the breast out and butterfly it. We do things with prosciutto and different cheeses and sage leaves and all kinds of stuff. So you you look at the provider cookbook and you're like, there's no way they're doing all this stuff. Yes, we are. We did one yesterday. We're cooking wild game seven days a week, sometimes multiple times in one day. And we love it and you get creative with it. So, I love the fact that you offer all that, but I bet you man, I could imagine you and your husband are sitting there <laughs> and these guys leave and the tags are all filled out with their with their with their, you know, the piece of paper that you can say what you want on it. And you grab it and you're like all seven of them dudes want every one of their ducks plucked and your fingers, <laughs> I could just see The carpal tunnel and the arthritis setting into your fingers. And I'm like, (laughs) you really got to take care of yourself now. You're like, this is like my brother's a physical therapist and he doesn't use, you know, there's some chiropractors that use those activator guns because their hands get so mangled and they get such bad arthritis and carpal tunnel and their wrists and their fingers and their joints and their knuckles and all that, their tendons and their ligaments and all that get so messed up over the course of their career. You got to keep this in mind. You're using your hands and you're tearing that skin away a lot. Like I hope that your husband's giving. like, this is my favorite part to get massaged on my hand, like here between my (laughs) index and my thumb. Like that takes my headaches away. I hope that your husband, if he's listening to this, which I know he is, I hope that he's giving you hand massages and foot massages every night because you're on your feet a lot. So that's just that's my two cents on that. Take care of your hands, Natalie Fox. Um, let's go into some of these things that you are creating daily. Now, your goose pastrami I had, which JJ's like, you guys want pastrami sandwiches? And I'm like, hell yes. Now, I've done this. My buddy Sam Sabini has a, a spec uh, pastrami recipe that we've done here several times, and we eat off of it all year. We vacuum seal the pastrami when it's done, the pepper, the brines, whatever you do. I don't want to give away your recipes or Sam's, but it will be in the provider cookbook edition, too. But you're doing goose pastrami. You're doing cheddar sticks. You're doing here's what I love about what you're doing. There's no filler. That's crazy to me. Now, when most people get a, a Jack Link stick with beef, it's not all beef. Okay, it's a lot of its beef, but there's some filler in there. When I do duck sausage or breakfast sausage. There's filler in there of pork. When we do our street tacos with snow geese last week, I showed it right on the video. This is how much pork we're doing, 80/20. 80% goose, 20% pork fat. You're doing 100% Canada goose sticks. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Talk to me about it.
0: <laughs> um so it all kind of started last year. Um we just We had a whole bunch of goose in the freezer and we're like, all right, we're not going to let this go to waste. And let's just make some, some snacking, you know, food that we can just munch on throughout the whole year. And so pork fat (laughs) honestly is really hard to find up here. Um, It's really strange, but everybody uses it. The, um, the delis and the butchers and everything, they keep it for themselves. So it's really hard to find it. And so it's like, well, let's just, let's just try it. Let's just make a hundred percent goose no fat, nothing added into it. Let's see how it tastes. And so our process takes us seven days. And so it is a long thought out, very caring. There's lots of time put into it. And these goose sticks, they do not taste like a goose smells. (laughs) What I tell people is that if I can clean 6,000 of those stinky boogers, for you know, all throughout the year, then, and if I can eat that smoke stick, I guarantee you, you're gonna eat it and it's not gonna taste like goose and you're not gonna know it's goose. And um, when I tell people that there's no filler in it at all, no additives, it's, it's kind of funny to watch their reaction because they go from, yeah, I want some smoke sticks to ooh, it's all goose. <laughs> I don't know if I want it now. And it's like, no, 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 I promise it's really good. Um, and my goal is just absolutely do 100% goose. I don't want to take away from, you know, what nature is giving them and providing them with. And so if I can show them that you can eat it and it's going to taste good and it's all 100% what you harvested. I mean, that just, it makes me feel like I've accomplished so much with just that little bit that I'm showing them. And like I said, it takes seven days. We do a whole muscle jerky that we do two flavors with it. One's a hot jerky and one's a candy jerky. We do everything on our Traeger. And one of my friends that comes over and occasionally helps me, she goes, I opened a bag of beef jerky the other day. And she's like, I don't like it anymore. He's like, I just want goose jerky. That's all I want to eat. I don't want to eat beef jerky anymore.
1: (laughs) I love that. But that's so badass. (laughs) And I've had, I've, I've had the sticks. They're incredible. Uh, Do you really clean 6,000 geese this year?
0: (laughs) Um, 6,000 birds total. So, um, that just
1: makes, that makes, that makes me hurt. Right. Oh, that makes me hurt.
0: And my thumbs are really happy that it's over with. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we cleaned about 1500 ducks and then um, the rest were geese. And you get some tough boogers in there for sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest person in the world. And so <laughs> ripping open those, those greater Canada's, I had to figure out a style that definitely worked for me. And, you know, it's a great way for, you know, more petite people to, you know, rip open a goose like that. I posted a video of it on my Instagram um, to kind of show people it's a little bit of a different style because, you know, a lot of people start at the very top of where the neck connects. And I start at the bottom <laughs> and it works great. So um, see another just... opposite
1: of what I do. I start up top. I showed you my pinch <laughs> technique. So that's, what's cool about it is there's so many different techniques yeah. and, and, and okay. as long as you get the deal done, right. And, and it looks good and you get all the meat off the bone. Yes. The way that you want right. to where you're legal. That's there's yeah, so many yes. different ways. Not every butcher butchers a deer the same way. I've seen several different butchers cut up, you know, dress a deer and butcher a deer completely different. There's no right way or exact way, but let me ask you this as far as what you offer. If I go up there and hunt and I come in, here's my birds. I want to breast and I could take those breasts home. They're going to have a wing attached. I'm, I'm leaving the state. I'm transporting them. I want to be legal. You do that. Um, if I want to eat them that night, you're going to uh, leave a wing attached because for me to drive them back to camp, I got to get them back there. I got to have them ready to go legal when I leave there. Um, then I could say, okay, I want you to keep these. You're going to be in your freezer. They're going to be tagged. They're legal. You don't have to keep a wing on anymore because they're in your you're in they're in your commercial you're a commercial operation now. I say okay, I want jerky, I want sticks, I want smoke stick, I want all this stuff. You make it, you ship it to me because those are my birds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I call you up and be like, hey, I want to buy some smoke sticks, but I didn't hunt with you this year? I've never been there but I heard this podcast and I want to eat some of these. Can I legally call you and say Natalie I heard you on a podcast. I didn't hunt with Wild brassica. I've never hunted in Wyoming at all or but I want to I want to buy some of your goose sticks.
0: So legally no. Um, that cannot happen. So the way that I am set up It has to be your harvest. Um, I would get a very, very large nasty fine if I were to sell you um, processed sticks, Um, just because facility-wise, if I were doing that, I would have to have an inspector, a USDA inspector here at all times, seeing what I did. And with that comes a million dollar facility, which I could not afford. One Um, day, one day. Fingers crossed. It'll happen. But um, uh, yeah, right now, you know, um, I have some people out in Colorado reaching out to me saying, hey, I have some goose that I shot this year. I want to try your product. Can I ship it to you? Or, you know, can we have a central meeting location? Because, you know, Colorado is only an hour and a half away. The state line is. And so there's that option. But as far as trying the product and everything, it it's, it has to be your birds, which is also kind of a unique thing because if you if you go to some processors you know they put everything in a lump sum they grind it all up they do what you want to it and then you don't know if you're getting your own your own animals back
1: but with you i get my own birds back
0: absolutely so shoot good
1: (laughs) so so you're saying that if i left today from my where i'm sitting which is not in wyoming and Mm -hmm. i have a bunch of birds with wings on that i shot (laughs) in a different state than wyoming I can legally drive them to you and have you do this as long as I have the tag on there and I was a legally licensed or I was a legally licensed hunter in the state that I harvested them in.
0: Absolutely. Um, oh, that's I cool. Help you, yeah. I help people walk through um, like the people down in Colorado. I'm like, here's what I need from you. Like, here's what I have to have documentation wise for us to legally take them in and be able to process them, process them for you. But whoever would want to do it, mailing, driving, whatever would happen, um, we can legally accept them as long as they're properly labeled and properly like tagged on the packages. So it's, it's kind of really cool.
1: (laughs) I think it's awesome. I, um, we made goose tacos when we were up there with processed goose meat that we grinded that day and Mm -hmm. ate. There's some legalities around that. You can't just go to camp with one of these grinders we have and grind up all your birds and then carry that bird home grinded. You can do that if it's through a USDA licensed commercial operation and take it home Mm -hmm. without a wing on once it's been processed. But if you're just doing it yourself, you can't grind up all your birds at camp and then be like, oh, I'm driving these all back to Nebraska from Wyoming. You can't do that. Look into the laws. Please be diligent always be diligent never ignorant the ignorance is no excuse for the law that's been taught to us our whole life you can't just go 95 on the freeway and then be like i didn't see no speed limit sign yeah you did don't be ignorant okay um with with the with the way that you're working right now and you have all of this you know these visions you got the foul habit going on you got the processing going on the butchering going on this meat sticks going on this the muscle jerky awesome operation a lot of potential i'm very proud to know you and call you a friend I'm, i am I want to work with you more and more um do you have a big mindset or do you have a small town mentality right now of just like we're good i know you're looking at a piece of property but you mentioned this million dollar facility this could kind of be cool of mm-hmm. a wild game a national wild game <laughs> service of this this is a it's a neat idea i think to get more people you know, the ability to get their birds back that don't necessarily want to do it themselves. Like, do you have visions of this as your business model? Like, is it, is there, is there a lot of growth potential for you and your visions? You want to get bigger and bigger?
0: Absolutely. I do. Um, My biggest goal is just to have people enjoy, enjoy what they're harvesting and make the most out of it. And I would love to expand to the point where, we're helping people all over the place, make that a reality for them. And, you know, the next step would obviously be, you know, doing the big game side of things. And then it, God willing, if that's what I'm supposed to do and I'm supposed to expand further, hopefully some doors will open and, and that will, you know, it'll grow to the point where it might be a national operation, who knows. Um, but, you know i'm trying to be optimistic about it and just trying to find you know the the right time and the right place to make moves and just be kind of cautious with it too though because we got a lot of payments we have to pay for as well but i i absolutely love seeing people's reaction when they eat you know a piece of goose jerky or a smokestick and they're just like man i didn't know that goose could taste like that you're kidding me (laughs) i love that yeah so eventually yes i would it would be a a big big dream of mine to just take this as far as it can go and just help people enjoy what they've harvested and make the most of it
1: all right here we go our hot seat today is brought to you by decked usa check out decked get organized back your truck Their new toolboxes, their drawer systems, their peacemakers, they got it all going on. I don't care what time of year it is. If it's hunting season, be organized. Fishing season, be organized. Construction season, be organized. I love opening my deck drawers and figuring out what that day has in stock for me. Today's hot seat with Natalie Fox of Foul Habits, LLC, Wyoming. USA is also brought to you by Gator Coolers. Stay cold-blooded. You got to have a good cooler to do what we do. We transport a lot of cold drinks and meats and wild game. I don't want anything going bad or spoiling. We depend on Gator Cooler. Thank you, McGehee Brothers, Brian, Mitch, everybody down in Louisiana. Support the companies that support our culture. And finally, today's hot seat with Natalie Fox at Foul Habits, LLC, is brought to you by Bodyguard Bumpers, Paris, Texas, Malacote Farms Waterfowl, MF Waterfowl, the Malacote family. If you want something made in America that was made out of necessity and is untouchable by any other brand, in my opinion, look no further than Bodyguard Bumpers. They're on the front. Grill guard, the style, anything that you want, front and rear bumpers, running boards, the Malicote family down in Paris, Texas can make it happen for you. I don't care if it's a Jeep, a Ford, or any of the other manufacturers in the country. They'll get you handled. Stay safe. I don't know how many times— my bodyguard bumper has kept us safe on the highways and dirt roads you can only imagine what we've encountered out there with thousands and thousands of miles traveled every year so thank you to all of our partners today's hot seat we're just going to talk a little bit you got to be quick on these natalie (laughs) your skin and ducks and geese what song are you listening to what's your go-to what's your music go
0: Um, It's definitely some R&B and um, a little bit of kind of alternative music.
1: No country, huh?
0: well (laughs) country is more of like a mellow feel like i I do listen to some but if i'm out there cleaning ducks and geese for all day or five hours at a time i need something that's gonna definitely put me in the mood and keep me motivated so are we
1: talking like 24 karat with bruno mars that kind of r&b are we talking about hip-hop and rap like biggie smalls um or are we talking alternative music like some alternative rock um what are we talking here
0: um it's honestly it's a little bit of everything Um my playlist goes anywhere from the 80s to um, modern day with like some machine gun kelly <laughs> oh, oh <laughs>
1: so machine gun huh yeah
0: it's, it's a little bit of everything um gotta keep it up and you know kind of have a good vibe <clears> going but i also have to be able to sing along to it if i'm not singing along and jamming it's it's not good i'm not gonna listen to it
1: <laughs> all right go let me hear some oh no 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 (laughs) all right so it's that mellow time what country song are you listening to who's your go-to right now for country
0: Ooh, that's a toughie because i do enjoy me like some merle haggard and old crow medicine show but you know sometimes i break down and i listen to a little bit of florida georgia line
1: Uh, (laughs)
0: uh, 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 (laughs) oh It's more for the beat. Don't judge.
1: (laughs) I'm not judging. I'm not saying a word. If it's an adult beverage time, are you pouring or are you pulling? Are you pulling a cold beer out of a cooler or are you pouring something into a glass? What's your go-to adult beverage?
0: I have been in like a really good groove of Moscow mules lately. (laughs)
1: Oh, Moscow (laughs) mules.
0: Yes, we got um, some copper cups for a wedding present and it's like what the heck do you do with copper cups and so we found out that you drink ginger beer and some tito's vodka with a little bit of lime and holy moly it's delicious
1: (laughs) if if you want to see your husband and i know that he's good looking to you all the time but if you want him in his best in your opinion do you want him in hunting gear or do you want him in his baseball uniform go
0: hunting gear 100
1: good answer girl <laughs> all right last one of today's hot seat with natalie fox foul habits llc torrington wyoming check her out online at foul habits llc on instagram correct
0: yes
1: is there a website
0: there's no website yet <laughs>
1: oh we need to talk about that we need to get your website okay. girl today
0: we forget today's <laughs> I just <got> a smartphone <laughs>
1: <laughs> today's last question of the foul life podcast hot seat if you could go one place tomorrow where would it be and you can't be alaska
0: Oh, okay
1: (laughs) it was gonna be Uh, alaska huh
0: yeah i mean i love alaska (laughs) i could tell i could tell um it would be new zealand i've always wanted to go to new zealand i think the wildlife there is absolutely incredible and the scenery is so diverse as well and um, you know, you go anywhere from the mountains to the prairie to a little bit of like some desert looking terrain. I mean, it's just so diverse and I would love to travel there someday and check it out.
1: You heard it here. Foul Life Podcast, Natalie Fox, Foul Habits, LLC. She's got a heck of a business and a brand. They're going to be able to order merch pretty soon on her website. <laughs> We're going to see her again pretty soon. I can't wait to get my jerky. I can't wait to get my Canada goose sticks with no additives no filling no pork nothing just pure 100 percent canada goose i think there's some cheese in there is there cheese in some of them is that that's a that's that's an option right
0: yep absolutely um jalapeno cheddar is honestly in my opinion the best but we also do a pepper stick and um, an original and it's really good with cheddar in there too you can always put pepper jack in there but it makes it pretty spicy so if you're not a hot person I just stick with the jalapeno cheddar <laughs>
1: send it all to us we're ready to take our shipment in I okay want... <laughs> I love it thank you Natalie for being here any closing words
0: um just thank you so much for having me on and your guys' support and just the friendship means the world to me here um it's something that I honestly never thought would happen and I am so honored to just know you guys and Thank you so much for all your help and just support.
1: Heck yeah. We're honored to know you and be friends with you and your husband, JJ and Mr. Mike and the entire crew. Why O'Braska waterfowl book your hunt with them? It's a first class operation and they, they got them. They get it. They got them. They know how to hunt. They (laughs) know how to scout and they got the birds. It's an amazing sight to see especially with some snow on the ground and those foothills and the river and the cornfields and just the small city cafe and the feeling and you're around the nebraska border that's why they call it Yobrasca. in case you were wondering we hunted on both sides of the state line you got to have your license on both states if that's going to happen different possession limits different daily limits it's amazing everything that goes into this amazing lifestyle we're honored to be a part of the american hunting culture thank you all so much for your support of all our partners and sponsors episodes of the benelli's the foul life appearing right now on the outdoor channel then brand new season season 14 of benelli's the foul life airs june 27 2022 through december 2022 exclusively on the outdoor channel we got a ton of cool locations and episodes we're going to bring your way check out more episodes of our sister podcasts where the payment ends and this life ain't for everybody jargon game calls the provider life get your rubs get your cookbook get your new duck calls goose calls turkey calls it's time to get in the woods and chase those tom's stay ethical stay legal and most of all stay safe enjoy the outdoors with your family and friends introduce somebody new to the outdoors as much as you can throughout the season thank you to foul habits llc torrington wyoming america the fox family thank you all so much for being here this is my foul life by the rock pan 2 a.m logic